0: We're a couple of minutes early, but that's probably okay. we got quite a bit of material to cover today. Sean did such a good job for a couple of uh, class periods and getting us prepared for the book of Revelation. And uh, we'll have a, just a, a, an overview of the seven churches in Asia and some of the conditions that existed. And then starting, uh, Lord willing, Wednesday evening, we will get into the, to Ephesus, the first, uh, the first book that we, uh, our first church we'll talk about. I, I found this one quote, not big on quoting things, but uh, unless it's from the Bible, but I am going to read this. If you listen real closely, um, this, this is... Um, The source was The Seven Churches of Asia by James Toll. Not that we'll remember that, but anyway. We must have the historic Christ and more. We must have the living Christ. He must be our Savior in our situation, our needs, our loves, our shames, and our sins. He he must not only live, but mingle with our lives. We have in Christ the reader of our hearts, the helper of our most private straits, The inspirer of our most deep and sacred confessions, that is the Christ we need. And thank God, that's the Christ we have. As we get into the book of Revelation, you know, this is from Jesus himself, uh, particularly in the the very first chapter when, keep in mind, too, that who was Jesus, I think we can say this with confidence, best friend on the earth? Oh, that's John. John. That's the same John that wrote the book of John, the book of Revelation in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. That was Jesus' best friend at the, at the, at the uh, dining at the Lord's Supper uh, the night of the Passover. He was leaning on Jesus' breast. Now, when you look in Revelation chapter 1, it's the same John. What was his reaction this time when he saw Jesus? He fell down as a dead man. Um... This was the resurrected Jesus. This was not the earthly Jesus. And it was a big deal. This was his best friend. Um, How did Jesus reply to that when John fell down as a dead man? Go ahead and get up. It's okay. It's okay. Seven churches in Asia We don't have a lot of time, but go ahead, Lance. No, go ahead. i was curious. Do you think he looked similar to when it Well, that's an interesting question. No, I'm going to, uh, since it's been recorded and not everybody can hear. I'm to. Uh, Lance had a question. Do you think he recognized Jesus? Were there some similarities? I believe there was. There were. Were, I believe there were. Um, now this was different. You know, he he's had the the, the golden sash and he was. You know, all the all the way that he was described, uh, his hair white, and we'll talk about the purity and some of those things later, but there was something that he did recognize uh, about Jesus, which is interesting about in 1 Corinthians 15, when we get our new bodies, uh, we'll recognize one another, but it's going to be a much more powerful situation than, than what was on the earth. But I believe you did, Lance. Yes? Yes? Uh, we won't know here, but, that, but I, I've thought about that. And that's a good question, or a good, or a good observation, actually. Uh, I know this is not a good, uh, a good one here. A good, I just took a picture of this on my Bible and tried my best to load it. That shows you how my expertise. Um, seven churches of Asia, kind of interesting. Um, the Isle of Patmos, let's see here. Yeah, The Isle of Patmos right here is about 65 miles from Ephesus. About 65 miles. History says, and a lot of fairly early church historians said that toward the end of John's life, this John, John was a member at Ephesus. And some even say that he was one of the shepherds at Ephesus, one of the the elders at Ephesus, which is interesting. Particularly when we get into Ephesus and look at how it was and look what what Jesus had to say about the church at Ephesus. um, also, notice in this little, I'm going to call it a horseshoe, for the lack of a better term, this loop. That was the mail route in Asia Minor. To go from Ephesus up to Pergamum, of course, you're a little jockey jockeying right here to Smyrna, but if you went straight north, that's about 90 miles. You make the loop here from Pergamum. If you took a straight line and went to Laodicea, it's about 100 miles. I've heard as much as 110 miles. By the time you went to here, you know, 35 miles and then uh, 20 miles and 40 miles and so on. But as a, if you just want to kind of get in your brain housing group, that this is about a 200-mile loop. Seven churches, roughly. Could be 210, could be 220. Wouldn't argue about it. But about 200 miles... And in the Roman times, this was the way the mail was delivered in that sequence. I find that interesting. Also, now this is, Brock said, you ought ought to mention this just to show how you you twisted your mind can be sometimes, but with the way you memorize things. Ephesus, we all know Ephesus was the first church, and we know that Laodicea was the second church. I try to keep these things in sequence. All right, now let we know there were two churches that nothing bad was said about. They just happened to be the next in line. From Ephesus, that'd be Smyrna. From Laodicea, up one is Philadelphia. All right, so we got that. And then uh, post-traumatic stress. (laughs) Pergamum, Thyatira, and Sardis. So we throw the two that we know in the end. We throw the next two up that Jesus had nothing bad to say about, then post-traumatic stress. Pergamum, Thyatira, and Sardis. Now, I actually memorize things like that. I know it's sick. <laughs> but whatever works for you. But that's forever burnt in my, in my brain. Um, Jesus put them that way. And Jesus even, you know, with, with the mail routes, with Patmos right here, uh, So we'll go with that. Now take that for what it's worth, which is probably (laughs) maybe not too much. Uh, But that's the way I uh, memorize things, whatever works for you. But I I do think you ought to memorize the sequence uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, put in there for you and do it any way that that works for you. Uh, Sean touched on some of these things. Uh, The moral conditions in Rome. And then I want to ask you, does this sound familiar? Rome was near the zenith of her power. Um, Rome was, if I remember right, was founded like in about 81 BC or somewhere in there and fell about 400, 450 AD, somewhere in that, we'll call it 500 years. But this time, Rome was at her zenith, her her top. They had vast wealth and extravagance. It was said that they were always trying to figure out ways to... um, to demonstrate their wealth. It got to the point toward the end that they would melt pearls, melt them, and put them in their wine so they could be drinking expensive drinks. I mean, it it was unbelievable, the the wealth and the extravagance there. There was much poverty. The middle class was shrinking dramatically. Conditions were conducive to very bad morals. A lot of lust, wickedness, the things that that were allowed then. There were high crime rates. Marriage was a commercial transaction. Commercial transaction. Children were raised oftentimes by slaves. And sometimes sold because they were a nuisance to the parents. Now, does that sound like anything that you all see on the news or that we experience in our society today? It does. It's unfortunate, but it does. Now, I want to take just a slight detour. Go to John 16. Now, when I told Don, Don's going to preach next Sunday, one of the lessons, and the basis is John 16, but I want to read that just real quickly. And I promised Don, I would. He, he gave me permission to do this from his sermon. I'm going to read the first four verses. John 16. See, if this, uh, now this was probably written about 60 years before what we're talking about now. This is Jesus himself speaking. Uh, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming. What we're talking about now. That whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And then he goes on to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. won't get into that, that point. But... Jesus, even 60 years earlier, said, the times are going to come now, boys and girls, where it's going to get rough, that people that kill you will be thinking they're doing me a service. Um, so with that background, I want to look um, just a couple other things while you're, while you're looking at that. Um, the effects on the church. D- do external events have effect on the church? They do. What are you doing with those masks on? Of course, they do. And not only things like the mask, but um, Christians were being killed. They were being exiled. They were being robbed. They were being kicked off of YouTube. No, wait a minute. That's not it. Um, That's coming, too. We talked about that last night, some of it. Uh, They were robbed of their property. Domitian was the Caesar at this time. Domitian came into power about 81, if I remember right. Went out at about 96. So he was a, the Caesar for about 15 years, and he was the one that sent John to Patmos about a year before he was kicked out. It was a capital offense at that time to say uh, that Caesar was not a god, that was not God. And uh, so many Christians, and Jesus said, that's coming, there are going to be people going to kill you thinking they're doing me service. Uh, Morally, can moral issues creep into the church? You better believe it. Uh, Sean's got some lessons coming up here about those kinds of things. Yes, they can. Um, So while this is primarily written to first century Christians, no question about that. No one really argues about that, I don't think, too much. Um, but here's the message that Jesus is trying to get across. Rome is doomed. Uh, the kingdom will triumph in the end. Christ will reign supreme. Therefore, maintain loyalty to the faith at all cost, even to the face of, uh, in the face of death, uh, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Even if it kills you, even if they come and get you and kill you, You stay faithful to death, and you'll receive the crown of life. Now, that was their message. Now, there's a lot of, uh, we're going to touch on them a little bit. Um, We'll talk a little bit about numbers and colors and those kinds of things. Um, We don't want to get distracted by those things, but they're there for a reason. God doesn't mince words um, um, without without some meaning. Now, here's what it means to us primarily today. Choose the eternal rather than the temporal. Resist temptation. Talked about that even in our first lesson. Refuse to compromise with false doctrine. That's a temptation, is it not? Because you can get along in this world better if you compromise some. Remain confident in the ultimate victory of God's people. We know. Um, some have been in wars here, uh, some up for, up close and personal, and uh, we're in a spiritual battle, but guess who wins? It's already been decided. Now, we may have to go through a lot of bad stuff in the interim, just like they had to. So the message to us is, you got to hang in. you got to not give up, and um, some might. Some have. Got to be careful with that. Jesus told John, he said, this is, what, this is your charge there in John 1, or, or Revelation 1. Write the things in, in the book. What I'm getting ready to tell you, you write them down, John. And as we said, when John looked at him, he just fell down. Fell down as dead. And he said, write what you see and send it to the seven churches of Asia. Now, seven churches of Asia. We saw the seven churches of Asia, and there are different ways to look at that. One is that these were uh, obviously literal seven churches, but that was all the churches that were in Asia, Asia Minor. And here's where they come from. I don't know that I agree with this, but I'm just saying, throwing it out, that around 61, 62 AD, there was a tremendous earthquake in that Asia Minor. Tremendous. It destroyed everything. Well, destroyed most things. Near Laodicea, there are two churches, Hierapolis and Colossae, just within a few miles. And they say, some historians say, that the church is never rebuilt in Hierapolis and Colossae. And they actually joined forces with Laodicea, which is a very rich city. So if you took those two out, there were seven churches in Asia. Literally. But I kind of lean, that happened, that actually did happen, uh, according to all the historians I've been able to read and study. But they're also representative, I think, of the churches at that time, and guess what, the churches at this time. When you look at their, the things they were facing, um, I wouldn't be adamant about either one of those views. Both views have merit. These were the seven churches of Asia Minor. In fact, these were the only churches in Asia Minor, if you factor out Colossae and Hierapolis. I'll I'll leave that up to you. Then he said, Jesus says throughout the book of Revelation, blessed is he who, and there are other things too, blessed is he who reads, who hears, and who keeps my word. Now, does this, does that apply to us at all? Sure it does. Blessed is he who reads, who hears. Remember, Jesus said lots of people hear, but they don't understand. A lot of things because they're not spiritually discerned. Why do people not get it today? They're not spiritual people. The Bible is spiritually discerned by spiritual people. Uh, And then we keep it. We, We keep it. Blessed is is he who keeps my word. Basically, of course, paraphrase a little bit. But uh, that was true then, true today. Lessons for then, lessons for today. Questions or comments on that? Some of these are pretty obvious. I get it. But yet, sometimes the best lessons we can get are simple and, and obvious things. Questions on that? Write what you see, John, and send it to the seven churches of Asia. Was John well known in Asia? Not just Ephesus. He absolutely was. In fact, a lot of churches said that, were, were, um, uh, uh, that John was involved in very heavily. Of course, Paul's. We'll see that in uh, in Acts uh, 19. And then uh, there, his uh, when he met with his, the, the elders in John 20, uh, Acts 20. We'll talk about that on Wednesday evening. But if there are no questions, we'll move on. We touched on this a little bit. Issues facing the churches at that time and see if that's today, social disgrace. They faced that. There were a lot of labor unions then. And if you wanted to work, all you had to do, among other things, is take a pinch of incense and say, Caesar is God, that's pretty simple. And you were able to keep your union card, if you will. You know, Gary was a big union guy at one time. He he understands all of this. We, most of us do. Uh, if they said we can't do that, well, then you couldn't work and you couldn't make a living, and you, was, you were disgraced socially. Um, financial and material loss. They would confiscate your property, like probably what's coming in this country for too long. Uh, financial loss and loss of life. We're not there yet. Some places in this world, there is loss of life already if you're a Christian. Now, here is the question, so to speak, that John was asking. uh, Of course, it demands an answer, but he's asking the early uh, Christians here. Is being a Christian worth it? Is that question valid today? How, how do some answer it? Yeah. It's not. It's not. Some say. Even how since it's. That's what Peter said, wasn't it? When you go to Luke 14, what, what did Jesus say about counting the cost? There's Luke, uh, Luke 15. Luke 14 or 15. Okay. one of those two. He said, sit down and count the cost. And sometimes we'll, we'll talk to people like this who are, well, I know I'd like to be a Christian, but, you know, I like to, you, dot, 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 fill in the blank. I like to, um, I still like to go my, to my bar hopping a little bit with my friends. I still like to social drink a little bit with my friends. I still like, I, I, you know, I, I like to I like the lottery. I like to gamble a little bit. You're not that strict, are you? Well, Count the cost. I'm pretty stingy with my money. Count the cost. And then answer the question, no I'm not willing, it's not worth it, or yes I am, it's worth it. They had to ask that question and some turned away. We have to ask that question and some will turn away. Particularly once, once things start getting a little stickier. Go ahead Tony, real quick. I don't like that term, devil's advocate. I don't want, the, the, the devil don't need any advocates. Okay. Well, what I mean is like maybe the private, they are a Christian, but then people like going to jail or getting arrested or losing their job, they pretend they're not, you know, from, you know, people, they pretend they're not. Okay. What do they call those people, Tony? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Yes, Tony, that, that, that goes on. Yes. No, that's a valid point. Uh, but but I, I hear <laughs> It's just a pet peeve of mine on this devil's advocate. People say, well, I, I like to play the devil's advocate. No, you don't. No. You don't need any help. Um, now, we all know what that means, but you do what you want. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. I want to read real quickly. You tell, this is Paul talking. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And he goes on talking about this. this is Paul. He said, I've been beaten down. We might say he's been beaten to a pulp, but he said, I'm not destroyed. Now, that happened then in, in, in 95, 96 A.D. and went on for maybe in the 200s. Um, and it can happen today. We were talking last night, and I think Veronica said, we have to get in our minds made up ahead of time what we're going to do. Does, do you believe that? That if we wait, when that time comes, pray it doesn't, and you have to make that snap decision, I don't care if it's about finances or about anything, you better have your plan. This is how we're going to react. Because if you're caught off guard and and your life's on the line, you may back up. Is it worth it? You have to get, get that in your mind. And some may say it's not worth it. I love this world, I'm going to, well, okay, bless your heart. Jesus said, I just assume you do that. Because once you start and you back up, you know, he said the guy's going to build a house or build it, and he didn't have the money to finish it, and that house becomes a folly. Uh, in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, used to be, I don't, unless somebody's moved in, they, a guy built a castle. It's unbelievable. David, you might have seen it uh, off of uh, uh, that parkway goes around New Circle Road. You, Whoa, are we in medieval Europe? And he ran out of money. And that is a monument to his folly. That's what they call it, some guy's folly. It's a huge castle with the towers and the, all of that in Lexington. If you ever there? Go see it. Nobody lives there. No one's ever lived there unless they have the last, since we've been gone. We've been gone a while. Um, Jesus said, you're going to be a laughingstock if you start and stop. And as he told the layout of sins, I just assume you get hot or cold, but I can't stand this lukewarm stuff. Oh, is is being a Christian worth it? At night when you're laying in your bed or you're thinking about things, you have to ask yourself that question. And you have to be willing to to be able to answer it because the time's coming where you're going to have to do that. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus knows. I think that's one of the lessons we get out of the seven churches of Asia. Jesus knows the churches. He does. He walks among the candlesticks. Who are the candlesticks end of, end of chapter 1? The churches. The churches. He says, I know who you are. I know what you stand for. But then he goes on to over, I don't know, Revelation 16, 14, somewhere in there. Uh, he said, I know your works, too, as individuals. I know your works as, or as individuals. I know your hearts. Try to fool people if you want to. You're not fooling him. None of us are. I know your collective state, and I know your individual state, your works. Now, I just want to touch on this real, real, really quickly. Because um, I know Sean didn't want to go there on this, and I and I'm I'm going to tread real lightly. Eyes of flaming fire. Now we all know Jesus, God, the Spirit, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. Maybe that's it. That's three. Okay, got. It. So I think if you don't get anything out, out of these this symbolism, know that that's who. That's what this is demonstrating here. You're talking about Jesus. And the, you know, we're very visual people. He has penetrating eyes like fire. Did he have, Sean said, literal fire? At, no, he didn't have fire in his eyes. But his eyes are penetrating. What does Hebrews chapter 4 say? The, the word of God. How does he describe all of that? Sharp, and we'll get to the two-edged sword here in a minute, but sharp as any two-edged sword, dividing even to the, uh, the soul and spirit and bone and marrow, uh, discerning even the, the thoughts and the intent of the heart. That's who we're dealing with. got to be careful with that. He don't play games with, 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 with the way we play games. His eyes. He has feet of brass refined in fire. What does metal do that's refined in fire? Make it stronger or weaker? Stronger. Has he come through the fire? Yes. Jesus? Oh my. Yes, he has. The voices of many waters. We lo- Most people, I don't know if so anybody didn't love the ocean. We don't have much here, but um, you go on the ocean and you can take a book, put your little umbrella there when you get old and you get skin cancers. <laughs> and, that's why I didn't take an umbrella in my early years. That's why I got skin cancer. Um, and just listen to the ocean. Is, is it, is it, um, is it, can it be violent? Is it powerful? Is it strong? Yes. Uh, does, it, does it demand your attention, authority? Yes. His hair and his head were white as snow. White as white like wool. Purity, it's not stretching it to come up with these things, with these colors. They're there for a reason. That's no wonder when John saw him, he fell down as dead. Questions or comments on that? Okay. Um, Okay, now, Sean, right now, strap in, Sean, so you don't get all nervous here. But um, um, there are, oh, oh, go ahead, Lance. Mm-hmm. What, what,
1: what I've been taught in the past is if you've ever, ever been up down around a waterfall, but a big waterfall, you can't hear anything else around you. It basically overrides any any sound around you, and you only hear that. And, and I always think of a, a either Niagara Falls
0: or that uh, waterfall after where it's just so Victoria. It, it's, it's the only thing that you hear. And that demands your attention, does it not? Absolutely. Really good point. I like that. I didn't have it in my notes, but I'll put them in there. It demands your attention. Now there are uh, there are colors. There are spheres. By spheres, I'm talking about the air. It talks about the sea, the earth, uh, the heavens, those kinds of things. And I won't be adamant about, about it, but uh, spheres. I, I, I guess I'll go there first. I jump down, but anyway. Um, the, the air, uh, what does what Satan call the prince of the power of the air? That's his domain, that's the realm where he operates, so to speak. So when you see, not all the time, but in the book in a book of Revelation, when, you, when he talks about the air, a lot of times he's talking about Satan and his realm, his domain. Um, have you heard the, the term... Um, um, the, the, the sea was very turbulent, or the sea was angry, or the sea was, well, sometimes the sea rec, rec, uh, uh, references the turbulence in society. I'm not adamant about it. I'm just, I'm just throwing these things out. Uh, the earth, uh, somewhat self-explanatory, even though it, it, it's, it's um, symbolic as well in some of the different contexts. Uh, the stars, we've already seen what, uh, what does at least some of the context, one of the contexts at the end of chapter one, the stars were the seven angels. Okay, we'll go with that. It doesn't always mean that. The colors, generally speaking, white symbolizes what? Generally. Purity. I don't think we can argue too much about that. Christ's hair was white. Um, black. Well, those were dark days. Boy, the, uh, 9-11 was a black day. Um, a lot of times it's, it's turbulence in society. It's some, some events that, 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 are, um, that are very negative that are going on. Those are really dark days. World War II, the, the dark years of World War II, okay? Not always, but that's, that can be black. Red. Uh, sacrifice, blood. Passion, okay. Uh, war, somebody said. Y- yes. What, what did you say, Tony? Anger. Uh, it, it can be mean that in our language. I, I don't know that it means that here in the book of Revelation, but that, that's, that's, a decent, that's, that's a good answer, actually. Uh, pale. Death. 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 The pale, whore, all of that, a lot, a lot of times symbolizes death and emeralds and... Sardonic's and all of these wonderful things we see in, in Revelation 20. Uh, just the beauty. It, it, it symbolizes beauty and majesty, that kind of thing. Numbers, won't get into all those right now. I'll leave that for Sean. <laughs> <laughs> he just took his mask down. Wait, wait what? <laughs> uh, numbers. Won't get into all these numbers, but uh, most people know what the seven stands for completeness, wholeness. Six is the opposite. It's one number less than seven, so oftentimes it's, it's imperfection, if we want to think seven is perfection. Uh, ten, you'll see that in our form, you know, our math system is based on tens, really, but ten is that complete, perfect, whole number. And when you see, that, you'll see a, a thousand. Well, what is a thousand? Ten times, ten times ten. And when he talks about, and they reign with Christ for a thousand, it's not talking about a thousand-year reign. It's talking about that, that ten cubed, if you will. Veronica, is that right? It's pretty good for me. That it, it, it's, it's, it doesn't get better. It, it's, it's not more complete when you see the, see the number of thousand. And then there are other things. Uh, Sean, Uh, uh see. That's Sean. This is Lance. Go ahead, Lance. So, so 10 is rounded. Sorry. Yeah, 10 is
1: rounded. 1,000 is well rounded. You can think of it like that.
0: That's not bad. That's not bad. Sean? I was just going to say that those numbers being symbolic is very important to understand they are symbolic, because so often people make a mistake by literalizing. Them. That's oh, 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 that's right. No, that's right. These are not literal numbers. We're not talking about literal stuff. Uh, The the overall message is very clear in Revelation 1, 2, and 3. And then that's when I hand the baton back off to Sean. And I'll pick it up at the end when we get talking about more pleasant things. (laughs) That was by design, by the way. (laughs) Go ahead, Don. Oh, sure, or the New Testament, somewhere in the scripture there is an explanation of it. Right. So Uh, th- that's a good point. Is, would it be fair to say that everything we've prepared for in our life, I've been a Christian for 60 years. Some have been a Christian uh, for just a month or two. That's okay. But we've lived our lives preparing for these times and preparing for when we leave here. That's, that, our whole life is for the, has been pre- making preparation for that. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to touch on angels just real quickly. Um, to the angels of the seven churches. Now, there's several ways to look at this. I don't know what the right one is. I know I'm getting on uh, a little edgy ground here, but <clears throat> angels sometimes are symbolic. Symbolic. Of course, uh, you see over in your... Okay, we'll, we'll go with that one. Thank you. Um, symbolic. The word means messenger. It can be human messengers. It can be angelic messengers from God himself. Um, some say that this, the, the seven uh, stars are uh, symbolic from the standpoint of it's the spiritual embodiment of each church. Okay. Uh, some say that, that the, these, these are represent spiritual entities, okay? There are some where uh, when you go to Hebrews chapter 1, you can write that down. I may not have time to do it. If we do, I'll come back. Hebrews 1, 13 through 14. These, we're talking about angels being ministering spirits to, uh, to us. Hmm, Interesting. Uh, Daniel 10, Daniel 10, you can write that down, uh, verses uh, 13 and then verses 20 through 21. If someone wants to look at that, you're pretty close, Lance. Daniel 10, verse 13, then I'll let you drop down to 20 and 21 while you're doing that, and then we'll come back. And then in Luke 7, verse 24, it talks about these messengers. The word is angel, and Luke uses it, and he's talking about men. Literal men being called, the the Greek word, same for messenger or angel. Now, which one it is of these three? I don't know. I have my opinion, but I I don't know exactly. Um, Is it out of the realm of possibility that, does God have enough angels to go around for each church? Of course. Does it mean that? I don't know. Go ahead, uh, Don. we got to hurry, though. Just, just
1: a quick one. Who were the messengers from the church of Antioch of Syria? They selected Paul and Paul They did.
0: And then Paul and uh, Silas to go out. Here's is, here is the candlestick holding the, <clears throat> the, the, the power to send out the messengers. In that Correct. There, there are times when it's used like that. Go ahead, Lance. Read Daniel 10. Uh, now, very symbolic. Now, let, uh, 13 uh, through 21? Uh, 10, and then not 13 through 21, just 20 and 21. 13, 20, and 21. Oh, sorry. That was Daniel 10. It is Daniel 10. I'm sorry. Oh. I misunderstood. Yes. Verse, uh, verse, verse 13 and then 20 and 21. Yes, sir. Gotcha. But the prince of the kingdom of
1: Persia withstood me 21 days and beheld Michael. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince.
0: Okay, there's another word, the the word angel, messenger. You you can almost call that too. Is, Is that a literal angel? Maybe. So we don't know these things. Exactly. But just know that um, we're in a symbolic book. I, get, I totally get it. Um, but I, I really don't think God and his tens of thousands of legions of angels are sitting around playing pinochle. <laughs> They're active. What are they doing? I don't know. Remember in, um, uh, when Elijah... I think that's where you're going, Lance, uh, where Elijah, or Elisha, I'm sorry, I think it was Elisha, came out and they were surrounded by all of these uh, adversaries. And the the, uh, young prophet comes out, Oh, what are we going to do, sir? And Elisha says, Father, open his eyes. And he did. And the mountains were ringed, ringed with angels. So there are things going on, as Sean touched on it, there are things going on out there big time that would probably scare us if we, if we knew what it, what it actually was. But there are spiritual beings, and they go at God's behest. Remember in Ahab? Uh, God sitting on his throne. He pulled the curtain back just a little bit, lets us look, and said, uh, we, we're going to kill a- Ahab. The question is, how are we going to do it and Where? Some spirit being said this, some spirit being said that. One said, went in front of the throne and said, sir, I I have have a plan. We will send a lying spirit to him. He'll go into battle and we'll kill Ahab there. God said, you go make it happen because that's what's going to happen. They're busy. I don't know. I think the second one's wrong. But real quick, Lanson, we'll stop. Yes, and the devil and his angels. These are powerful beings. There's There's a powerful war going on. And I'm thankful, actually, we can't see it. We'd probably be on our face most of the time.